it's an honor to be able to join you here and to be able to worship together. I realize that I haven't been to many uh, different churches in my life. Since my dad is a pastor, I've been stuck at his church growing up. <clears throat> and when I finally was able to leave, uh, it was to another country where I spent six years teaching in an international school in Korea. And yeah, I had to go to a different church because my dad's church was here, obviously. And so, uh, and when I came back, I was introduced to the CRC denomination, Reformed Faith. Uh, although we come from a Presbyterian background, my dad and myself was introduced actually by Pastor Ed Gerber to the Reformed denomination. And um, yeah, and I have been preparing trying to obey God's calling as best as possible. And part of that is me being able to share God's word with you this morning. And so I'm very honored to have been given this opportunity. And before we start, um, I would like to share a bit of a prayer that comes from the Belgic Confessions. And so please join me in a short prayer as we open God's word. Jesus, our Savior, you don't give us detached morality, depersonalized dogma, or a tidy set of life principles. You won't allow that because you've made it all personal. You are the way, the truth, and the life. Help me, help us, Lord, to reorient our lives around you. Show us all the ways you are all that we need and seek. Amen. And so before we actually get into our biblical text this morning, um, I want to ask, and I, I am not too sure if you guys can remember the movie Bruce Almighty. It's a movie where uh, it stars Jim Carrey. And if you haven't watched it, I won't give too many spoilers. I'm just going to reference one part. And this part is when Jim Carrey is almost at the bottom of his life, struggling with everything that he's going through, and he's begging God to show him signs. And he's driving in his car, and in front of him, a truck, I believe, pulls in front of him, and he gets a little bit frustrated. But that, tr the, the, that truck is a construction truck, and on the back of the construction truck has a whole bunch of flashing signs and a whole bunch of big letters telling him to stop. It just says stop, 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 flashing everywhere, and, and Jim Carrey's just frustrated. What is this fool doing in front of me? God, give me a sign. And this guy's getting in my way. And then the truck pulls away, and then he ends up, I believe, crashing. And so when I, saw, when I remember that movie and that particular scene, it reminded me of how God does sometimes show us signs. Now, they might not be as blatant as huge stop signs on the back of a truck, but it is ironic how sometimes it is or most of the times, it is God showing us signs, but us refusing to see it or seeing it and not obeying it. And so, in our young adults ministry that we just started at Hope, at, at the church that I'm ministering in, we are doing a Bible study series, and one of the significant insights that has stuck with me is this part, that we cannot even start to discern God's unrevealed will for our lives if we don't start with his revealed will. 
I'll say that one more time. We cannot even start to discern God's unrevealed will for our lives if we don't even start with God's revealed will, which is given to us as a gift. And so in our text this morning, we can also witness how two, not one, but two of Jesus' disciples express their lack of faith in him. And so if you have your Bibles with you, um, if you could turn with me to John, the Gospel of John in chapter 14, and we will start reading from verse 5. We will actually start from, um, reading from verse 4. It's on the screen there for you if you don't have your Bibles. This is the word of the Lord. You know the way to the place where I am going. Thomas said to him, Lord, we don't know where you are going, so how can we even know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. If you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do know him and have seen him. Philip even said, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough for us. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing the work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. Very truly, I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will be even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. This is the word of the Lord. Now the first disciple is Thomas. And Thomas begins by asking the question, Lord, how can we even know the way if we don't know where you're going? Jesus, where are you going? For Thomas, he cannot imagine what Jesus was even talking about. In the few verses, that, uh, in the few verses before Thomas even asked this question, Jesus talks about the kingdom of God and how he's going to return to the right hand of the Father. And even after all the miraculous works that Thomas had witnessed Jesus do, and even after all the teachings that Jesus had taught his, his disciples, including Thomas, by this point, Thomas still does not understand. We should also note here that it is Thomas who doubts even Christ's resurrection. And he is the one who questions, how is he back alive? I need to touch him with my own hands in order, in order for me to believe. And this is the same Thomas that we are talking about. And so this morning, I want to invite you to reflect. Can you relate to Thomas on this aspect? Have you, have you ever had any doubts about your faith? I know I sure can relate to Thomas. 
even after living my entire life in the church, almost literally, I still had doubts. I still have doubts. I kind of sort of lose sympathy for Thomas a little bit because at least for Thomas, he got to express his doubts directly to the person he is doubting. So he gets to express his doubt to Jesus, whereas I struggle to even find a person to truly express my doubt to. And to get a little more serious, even when we have to hear about another tragedy down south of our neighbors in, in the States, or when we may feel devastated and question why there is so much evil in the world, or when we feel so lonely and cannot even feel God's presence in our lives and maybe even doubt that He is there. And so, brothers and sisters, even in that doubt, if you may have had doubt, the good news this morning is that Jesus comes to us in our doubts. He does not judge us. He does not condemn us for our doubts. He meets us where we are. Through the gospel account of John, Jesus is revealing himself as the only way to the Father. You see, as the, as the Apostle John wrote his gospel account, he wanted to express the true identity of Christ and how we may have life through him. The theme verse that can be seen in chapter 20, verse 30 to 31, I believe I have to click. Yes. In chapter 20, verse 30 to 31, in the same Gospel of John, it says, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples, which are not even recorded in this book. Thank you. But these are written that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, and that by believing, you may have life in his name. Brothers and sisters, do you believe this? This is the purpose of John's Gospel account that we may know Jesus as the Messiah, the Son of God, as God himself come in his word, that if you believe in him, you may have life. In our text today, Jesus reveals how he is specifically the way, the truth, and the life. He emphasizes that no one comes to the Father except through him. We have to understand how bold that statement is, especially coming from a Jewish background where they only worshipped one God in the midst of a society that had multiple gods. The Jews only believed in one God, Yahweh, their Father, their Lord. And Jesus comes to them and says, I am the only way to that God. And He is my Father. He is in me and I am in Him. We are one. <gasps> Blasphemous. And so Thomas, his disciple, does not get that. He doubts. He does not understand. And this is such a bold statement. Now, I express how bold this statement could have been, would have been in that context. But now shift it to us today. How bold is this statement to say and to proclaim that Jesus is the only way? Especially in a pluralistic, secular society that we live in. To proclaim that only Christ is the way, that only He is the way to life, is sometimes taken for granted and sometimes not expressed strongly enough. Sometimes we get into danger and temptation of saying, Jesus is one of the ways, 
you believe in another God, you have your own idols, sure, but I think Jesus is one of the better ones. Why don't you try? No. The truth of the message is Jesus is the only way. Sola Christus, only Christ, the reformers proclaimed. Now we shift to the second disciple. We can even see in the disciple Philip's doubt as he asks Jesus, Lord, show us the Father and that will be enough. I don't need anything else. It sort of sounds like Jim Carrey in that movie. Just show me a sign. That'll be enough. Please, Lord, I'm desperate. Just show me a sign and I'll be okay. Again, the irony may be that God may be showing us signs, but we seem to miss it and too often blame God for His seeming absence. And so in the midst of Philip's doubt, what is Jesus' answer here? And we turn to verse 9 again. Jesus answered, Don't you know me, Philip, even after I have been among you for such a long time? Anyone who has seen me has seen the Father. How can you say, show us the Father? Don't you believe that I am in the Father and that the Father is in me? The words I say to you, I do not speak on my own authority. Rather, it is the Father living in me who is doing his work. Believe me when I say that I am in the Father and the Father is in me, or at least believe on the evidence of the works themselves. God, through Christ, who was revealed to us through his word, the Logos, in the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God, and he is revealed to us, and this is such a gift. And this is Jesus' answer to Philip. Just show us the Father. I don't need anything else. I don't even need you. Just show me the Father. Show me God. And Jesus says, I am revealed. I am the revealed Word. I am God. In the face of our doubts, our own shortcomings, Jesus does not confront us with judgment, but with comfort and a blessing, showing us through his revealed will. In Ephesians, it's, on the, it's not on the slide, but in Ephesians, Paul even says, with all wisdom and understanding, God made known to us the mystery of his will according to his good pleasure, which he purposed in Christ. That is why in verse 7 of today's text, Jesus even says, if you really know me, you will know my Father as well. From now on, you do, not, you do know him and have seen him. Jesus doesn't even say, if you have seen me, you might know the Father. If you have seen me, you may, possibly, will work on it, have seen the Father. He says with assurance, if you have seen me, you have seen the Father and you do know him. And so this morning, I want to invite my brothers and sisters to reflect on how you are confronted by His holy, revealed Word this morning. I invite you to ask yourself, do you have doubts like Thomas, like Philip, or like me? And more importantly, 
I also want to invite you to Christ, to take comfort in His work through the Spirit who meets us and guides us through our doubts. It is God's work that allows us to have faith in the first place. And this is so important. And this is such a gift. St. Augustine, an early church father, says it this way. I see that I am able, and he is talking about his faith. I see that I am able to believe, but how I am able, I see not. This far only I see, that it is of God. To put it in another point of view, the key, I believe, and I suggest this morning, is that God's calling for us as his children is into a place of trust, not of certainty. I'll say that again. God's calling for us is into a place of trust, not of certainty. It is my deep conviction that we, as broken, sinful human beings, will always lack faith. We will always have doubts. And in that place of doubt and brokenness, God calls you to trust in Him. Now there's a difference in lamenting. We shift gears a little bit. When it comes to lamenting and expressing our suffering and agony, there's a difference between lamenting in general that any human being does and lamenting to God. There is a reason that out of 150 psalms that we have in our scriptures, a whole one-third of them are laments. They express very real human lives and experiences in honest lament, agony, and suffering. But the key here is that they are all directed to God. We put our trust in Him, even in the midst of lament and suffering and agony. We may not be certain why Russia continues to invade Ukraine. I didn't know it would hit me there. Or thousands of children still suffer or hunger. Recently, when I heard the news of the Texas shooting, it's a little embarrassing because we've heard too much of it. And I, I usually am not surprised or taken off guard. When I hear news like that, it's usually now, oh, again. But for this recent one, I don't know why it hit me. Maybe because my, my child is, my firstborn is almost entering school. I guess it hit a little harder. Sorry. We may not be certain why these things happen. We may question God of why He allows evil. Or to even bring it closer to home. We may not even be certain why we have such difficulty dealing with the topic of sexuality, for example. But we trust that God is present and sovereign. 
we trust that he will continue to guide his people with power and wisdom. And when we do put our trust in him, do you know what the result is? We turn to verse 12 again. Very truly I tell you, whoever believes in me will do the works I have been doing, and they will be even greater things than these, because I am going to the Father. And I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. When we do put our trust in our God, our sovereign Lord, this is the result. This is the encouragement. How is it possible that we can do greater things than what Jesus had done in his earthly ministry? And this is not coming from my lips. This is coming from the lips of Jesus himself. He says that you will do even greater things than these. And the hint, Pastor Liz mentioned the hint. Today is on our liturgical calendar, the end of the Easter season. And next week we enter into Pentecost. And we celebrate that as Jesus ascended, he did not leave us on our own. He sent us his Holy Spirit who dwells within us. Now I blame Thomas, and I lost sympathy for Thomas because at least he got to express his doubts to Jesus himself. But we cannot say that. We have the Holy Spirit living within us. And, he, and Jesus says, you will do even greater things than I have because my Spirit will guide you. You see, when we know and can name our doubts and our shortcomings, our sins. We have only one option in humbly trusting in our Lord. You see, you turn the question and you think, how can we even start to pride in ourselves with confidence if we, do, if we know of our own sins, if we know that we're constantly doubting, if we know that we are constantly lacking faith? How can we even start to, to turn to God and say, God, Thank you for my faith. Thank you that I'm not like that sinner over there. The Apostle Paul says this well in his letter to the Corinthian church. He says, Such confidence we have through Christ before God. And then he goes on. Not that we are competent in ourselves to claim anything for ourselves, but our competence comes from God. And so as I close this morning, I want to encourage you to face your doubts and put your trust in Jesus. On a personal note, I've made my own spiritual journey difficult by thinking that I can overcome my doubts and even downright lack of belief in God but my, by my sparkling religious life by doing everything I can and trying to hide all the lack of faith and doubt that I have in my heart. It wasn't until I was truly convicted of my sins that I realized that only Christ is sufficient. Only He can allow me to have true faith for my salvation, to truly overcome my doubts. Trust in Him. And as we put our trust in Him, we may ask him for anything in his name. Anything. For his glory and his kingdom, we may ask 
and he will do it. Do you believe this? Let's pray. Father God, we thank you so much that you call us to trust in you even when we may not be certain. Lord, we thank you and we come to you in humility for we know we are sinners. We are broken. We thank you that in the midst of our sin, you have decided to cover us with your grace, with your love, that we may only look to you, that we may only depend on you, Lord Jesus. So I thank you that we are able to depend on you, to be guided by you for your glory, for your kingdom, as you have gifted us even further with your Holy Spirit, Lord. And as we prepare for Pentecost, remind us once again of your work through, through Jesus Christ on the cross, the death and resurrection, and the ascension. Now you have gifted us with your Holy Spirit. May we reflect further on what that means for our lives. And may we be humble and keen to open our hearts and ears to how your Spirit leads us in our daily lives. Not just when we, are, when we gather for, for church, but Lord, every day within our lives. May we offer our whole lives as living sacrifice to worship you every single moment of our lives. I thank you again for this opportunity that we may be able to be witness to witness and to be confronted by your truth, the living word. We thank you, Lord, and we want to give you all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Willoughby Church Sermon Podcast. The Willoughby Church Podcast Network also has podcasts about discipleship, the Heidelberg Catechism, and even a podcast hosted by some of the youth. You can find out more about the Willoughby Church Podcast Network by going to willoughbychurch.com.